Hey everyone, welcome back to the Pre-Construction Podcast. I hope you're well, and I hope you're as excited as I am for Halloween. It's already the middle of October, so everyone's running around trying to get their costume ready for Halloween, especially my kids. Okay, over to the guest today. His name is Spencer Easton, and he is Scheduling Department Manager for Oakland Construction over in Phoenix, Arizona. Now, Spencer's a great guest. He is really passionate about scheduling, and in, in particular, a thing called TACT, which is a scheduling software platform. He is also co-founder of Lean Tact, which basically is dedicated to scaling and teaching of tact. Uh, what they're trying to do is they're hoping to dethrone CPM or the critical path method as the main scheduling tool in United States. Um, interesting conversation, really good guy. Um, you can see, I mean, his background is in logistics. He works for a major crane company and you can see how his background with that um, has transitioned really well into scheduling. Um, we discuss everything from P6, CPM, TACT, uh, the importance of scheduling when it comes to pre-construction, pre-construction data, um, and really how TACT is, is the business when it comes to simple, efficient scheduling and planning. Um, I hope you enjoy this this, this conversation with, with Spencer as much as I did. As always, before we hand over to Spencer, let's hear from Stuart Carroll. He's the president of Beck Technology, and they are the Pre-Construction Podcast major sponsor. Enjoy. Hey everyone, I'm Stuart Carroll. I'm the president at Beck Technology. We are based in Dallas, Texas, and we are a pre-construction software company. We were founded in 1996, and we've really been focused on the world of pre-construction. We believe that pre-construction is where the biggest decisions that impact the outcome of a project occur. And we believe that through the use of technology, we can enable our users to make better, more informed pre-construction decisions, the net result of which is to make the world a better place. We're excited to uh, announce our partnership with Niche. And one of the things that really excites me is bringing pre-construction professionals the opportunity to get certified in our latest uh, product, Destiny Estimator. It's our belief that if we can help you understand how integrated pre-construction and pre-construction data lifecycle can benefit your business, um, it will ultimately improve the pre-construction services that you bring to your customers. And we'd like to uh, announce that we're gonna be releasing this at the end of Q1, and it's available to anybody that's a friend of Niche. Spencer Easton, welcome to the Pre-Construction Podcast. All right, I'm excited. I can't stand up to see this t-shirt. You can just about, you're just, yes, now we're talking. <laughs> Love it. Oakland Construction, here we come. So if All I, right. for anybody that doesn't know you, Spencer, give us a quick 30 second bio. So... Spencer Easton, been in the construction industry for about 17 years, started when I was still in high school. Uh, but even before that, grew up, my, my, my dad's in construction. His dad built and manufactured rifles for World War II. 
so building and, and that type of thing runs in my family. And uh, I uh, was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life because I, I didn't want to <laughs> work as a laborer. Is where, that's where I started. And I was like, screw this. I want to go back to, to school. So I, I went to college and was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Went for construction management. During that time, I, I had a myriad of jobs, um, everything ranging from being a private investigator to working at a, 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 a facility for troubled youth, like right. everything under the I've done a little bit of everything. And uh, during that time of, of going to school and figuring out, yeah, I want to go to, you know, I've done construction, let's do construction management. Um, I started working at a crane company. Um, the mountain crane they have uh or they had when i when i left there about 180 mobile cranes um wow. and i ultimately became kind of the head of logistics and and dispatch and operations at that crane company making sure that every single uh, piece of equipment could be working as much as we could get work for it right Brilliant. and uh, uh you know assigning hundreds of uh, um, crane operators, truck drivers, riggers, uh, you know, various jobs across the country and getting them from point A to point B and, and making sure they had all the, the right equipment, rigging, um, counterweight, so on and so forth, so that they could do their, their job. And then through college, I'm always intrigued about education, right? And construction management degrees, because not it's not all the same what they teach is, is all different in, in each course in each university were you what was it like the construction management degree and during the degree were you always leaning towards scheduling logistics pre-construction or was it just kind of right place right time uh no i remember <laughs> i remember when i took uh the one scheduling class that was required for the degree at Weaver State. Um, I remember thinking to myself, I'm never going to use this, so I don't. <laughs> just, get, <laughs> just get through it. Just get, and I think everyone's yeah. the same. Estimating pre-construction is the same. Let's get through the 10% that we need to, and let's get to the, the sexy stuff. Yeah. 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 And it's it's funny because when, when it ultimately, when I graduated and I started looking for a job more correlated with, and that's what happened. I was working at Mountain Crane and working between 80 and 100 hour work weeks average. Wow. And uh, on the brink of divorce and just a, in a horrible place, not, not, not good. So that, that's what kind of led me to, to look for other employment. And uh, that's what led me to Oakland. I just networked and had known some people and that's how I ended up at Oakland. Okay. And uh, when I got there, because of my, my time at uh, the, the crane company with, you know, scheduling cranes, it's not the same as critical path management type scheduling with what, what we do in, in construction. But um, the HR lady said, I know, I know you applied for, you know, these other positions that everyone goes for, the project engineer, the field engineer, those types of things. I even said, you know, I was like project engineer, field engineer, or like estimating or something like that. Like the three, any, the three main <laughs> courses of you know. anything that doesn't require a hundred hours a week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I feel like I could do any of them. Let's have at it. Right. So 
um, that's that's kind of how I ended up in scheduling because the HR gal was was like, well, I feel like you might have a good you know intro into into scheduling, and I was like, that's a that's a career path. <laughs> I thought that was just something that the uh, project manager and the superintendent did, like the team did. You know, that's a tool yeah. that they use. It's like, oh no, it's a whole specialized field. Like, interesting. Tell me more. So, well, here here we are. Shout out to the HR. Let's have her name. Fair play there. That's what I'm talking. That's real HR there. Interviewed <laughs> someone a couple of times and just feeling it, seeing it, and going yep. right. This is this is where you fit in the bus. Yep. And yeah. she did a good. It was it was a good call. I've I've really enjoyed it, and right. that's been five years now. And and here we are. No, I know you're saying a slightly different um, logistics manager for cranes all over the country, but in theory, it's probably it's obviously more complex. But in theory, it's it's quite similar. Um, going in there without any scheduling experience, um, I would imagine you hadn't got any P6 experience or any knowledge. Nope. How difficult was it? I mean, you're obviously going in, coming off a job that, that basically nearly nearly divorced you, nearly nearly ran you out of the industry. Um, was it like great excitement, this fresh opportunity, fresh fresh approach? Absolutely, yeah. Um, and yeah, you're spot on. I, I had never been in P6 before. Um, even like the, the course that I took in college, it was all about Microsoft Project. Right. And um, honestly, once you like use Microsoft Project and then you upgrade to, to P6 or a, a more robust CPM tool, you, you see really quickly that there's a very big difference between the two. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> And uh, it's 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 like night and day. I don't think that um, I don't think Microsoft Project really is a CPM tool. It's to me, it's more of a bar charting tool. Yeah. It's it doesn't really do it the same way, so it's hard to compare them. There's other tools like Asta or Phoenix or like a, a hundred others that more correlate with what P6 really does. Yeah. So yeah, and. Um, when I started at Oakland, there were four, there was four of us, four schedulers, and uh, one guy uh, quit, another guy retired, and it quickly became two of us for around $800 million um, wow. in revenue. Um, there was about 40 projects at the time, something like that. Yeah. And it, I quickly became, you know, within six months, I had about a third of all the projects at Oakland construction. <laughs> and I want, you know, I, I'd never really done vertical construction either. Right. I, my, my experience was in industrial and more like flat work. Yeah. And, um, it was, com it's completely different. I never dealt really a lot with like skin systems, like, you know, facade and stuff like that. And, and, Spencer, uh, I mean, that, that essentially yeah. is the best way to learn uh, because we get a lot of people, I get a lot of the APMs, project engineers, graduates coming to me and saying, listen, I'm open to anything. This is my skill set. This is my strengths. This is what I thought that I liked during my construction management degree. But again, this is all about pre-construction scheduling as a part of that. Talk to me about the people. What, what advice would you give and how would you kind of almost describe scheduling on a, on a low level. Um, so layman's terms, if someone's coming out of a graduate now thinking, you know what, I think I think I would like scheduling. What is it? What is the, the basic idea of scheduling within a large, huge 
construction management firm. It's how, how and when do we do what we do? Yeah. And really that it is, it's the thing that if you get it, you're going to go far in your career. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying as a scheduler, as, as a project manager, if you want to understand um, construction, you have to understand schedule. If you want, and all, all of the people that are, are uh, you know, uh, director level, that are executive level, they've all, it's all clicked and they've got it. Yeah. And that there seems to be kind of this invisible wall that people hit yeah. if they don't, if they can't, if they can't get it, if they don't take the time, they don't know like a oh, schedule. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's important. There's the, there's this, there's this uh, plan that we need to put together and then we'll track to it and just go with the motions and not really dive in and ask why on, on schedule. Yeah. You'll hit this invisible wall that I see a lot of people hit yeah. superintendents hit it. We call them the superintendent two wall yeah. at Oakland. At superintendent two, you have to understand schedule. A lot of people don't get past that. Right. And they never really learn how to manage it properly. And they just kind of stick around that same level and, and then they're yeah. stuck. Yeah. So um, the, the, the problem with our, with our industry, though, is that CPM hides a lot of stuff. Okay. And so it, it becomes really hard to understand the one thing that predicates everything else, and I'm, what I mean by that is safety is predicated on how fast and, and what we're going to do as far as schedule and the plan. And so is quality. If we have sufficient time, trade partners can, you know, subcontractors, whoever needs to come and perform these tasks can do it. Yeah. Um, same thing with cost. Whatever we do time-wise it equals costs. So time really comes first. It's the first thing to manage. And then everything else comes after. The most important is safety. We can't do things unsafely. That, that's, that's irresponsible. So safety comes first as far as priority. But as far as order, schedule comes first. Schedule and, and then everything else follows. But in our industry, it's almost opposite. We are really good at modeling cost. Yeah. And, and model, modeling time, it, you know, you can come through and put a plan together, but then the management of it and seeing um, flow and how do we achieve flow on a project? That's, that's the big, that's the big, uh, that's the big different differentiator between, you know, a good project manager or team and an excellent project yeah. manager or team. Yeah, because you talk about flow quite a lot. Any of the, the, the kind of uh, speaking events that you've been to, any of your stuff on LinkedIn, I've been listening to a lot. And flow is the, the go-to word. And it's the most important word in everything you talk about within a schedule. Let's start with, at the beginning of, of the, the process. We're talking about pre-design, working with the architects, working with the, the owners, value engineering. Scheduling gets involved. How close does scheduling work with the cost team, the cost management team, the pre-construction team, the estimators, and how does that dynamic work? Um, do you do, do you advise them? Do, do they take the lead? Do you take the lead? Does the client take the lead? Does the architect take the lead? Or is it just a, a collaborative approach that you see and, and it has to be the way forward? I, I think the collaborative approach is the proper way to do it. And I mean, we're talking about <laughs> at, at, at my level, I get involved with like most all projects. So it's, it, you see 
everything from this project over here, which has, you know, a, a designer who's really taken the lead and we're just kind of, okay, you know, there's obviously a leader in this, in this group, let's follow this. Others where it's like dictating and it's not really the, the best dynamic, but we're getting through it type thing. And then, then you have others that are more collaborative IPD like uh, projects where, you know, there's a lot of weighing and buy-in um, from multiple, you know, stakeholders. Um, the owner obviously kind of dictates what that value is. And we all work together to eliminate, you know, the non-value um, of, you know, different steps or whatever that we wouldn't need to do to make sure that we're providing what the owner really wants. Yeah. So uh, schedule is like the, the first thing you do, right? When you, yeah. when you are just trying to get a job too, like proposal, like that's one of the main things that you hear from all these different RFPs or, or, um, or uh, you know, proposal requests. They want to know, well, how are you gonna, how, how would you build this thing? And that's time, right? What, how would you sequence it? How would you, how would you get that flow, right? Yeah. And anyone that's actually been out, not just in the field, but like managing from, you know, even a project manager standpoint, you can, you, it's almost a feeling that the job site gets when everything just starts clicking and it goes, you know, from one thing to the next and there's no holdups, that's that flow. And um, when stuff slows down and then, and then when you get over that issue and it speeds back up, you feel, I call, I used to call it whiplash, right? Where it like slows down and speeds back up and so on and so forth. And there's, there's lots of studies on actually tracking production and they call them lines of balance, right? Where you might have, you know, over time, you might have a, a trade partner or someone in, installing their amount of work and, and the subsequent trade in the sequence, you know, could come in and go faster and, you know, it's, it's in less time. So, those variations of production rate, um, the idea is when you get flow is they're all going at the same rate, right? So that they all have the similar, um, you know, line of balance. And when, when you don't, one goes slow, you know, slower, it, you know, it, it would slow down everyone behind it. And the idea behind um, our approach is understanding what those lines of balance are and leveling them beforehand so that we model model what needs to happen properly so that when we get out to the the project we're not pushing faster than what needs to happen yeah. and we achieve that flow and and keep it as long as physically possible yeah and i can imagine you coming in as well from the outset as you say going from four schedulers to two schedulers straight into the deep end did you quickly understand the importance of flow and the importance of scheduling within a project or was that already ingrained or inherited within Oakland? Or was it something that you you had to sell internally or sell, sell to the, the executive VPs or the C-suites? Uh, there, yeah, it wasn't intuitive, but I found out really quick a few things. I, I felt that there were, t there were times when we were doing good, like everything was just working and then there were problems. And so we had to go figure out what that really meant and we started looking into um, lean construction and all these other avenues of like, what is there, is there, a, is there a better way, right? So you, as you go searching, other people are, are finding um, answers and stuff like that and sharing and collaborating. So we learned, we learned a lot from the lean community, but um, the thing that struck me the hardest 
uh, or the deepest is when I started, I would, I would go out on, on a project site and you would hear from trade partners or from the project team, oh, no one really, you know, your schedule, it's, it's baloney. No one reads it. It's not real. And it's like, it, it was really disheartening because like I would spend, you know, my time doing this. I'm like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm doing what you're telling. Like, what's not right about it? And I kept like asking this and there was this sentiment that P6 and this, this schedule that I was putting out, no matter what I was doing, is always wrong. And I kept asking why. And it came down to the point where it's like, well, it's not tracking enough detail to really show what's actually happening. We were too high level. And when I started driving down and said, okay, let's, let's start putting in all that detail the time to manage it like went exponential and so I was like oh I now see why we don't do this (laughs) (laughs) I can't I can't keep up with the amount of work I have on my plate which was like 20 different projects at the time all over like at least 20 million yeah so I think I had like 400 million dollars worth of work six months in and you know having that much work and saying, okay, I want to go down to, you know, a production level detail of, of schedule. You have to be on site, like almost all the time to manage that, even on a smaller project, it's just too much moving parts and pieces that every day, Hey, in this room, the, the fire sprint needs to go beneath the duct because that's how it, you know, that's how we modeled it. It needed to come down under for, for this various reason we modeled it that way in BIM or whatever. But in this other room that needs to go first, it's like, well, decoupling that in P6, changing things around and then linking everything back together just for that one room, but it's not really for everything else. So you have to break it into different WBS. Like you just start going down this, like this, this not- hole <laughs> that, that it's just, it's just crazy to manage and actually like model that in P6 and it is achievable. They do it in oil and gas. That's right. Um, When they they do these shutdowns at refineries, we've, we've hired a lot of folks on from the oil and gas industry and and they come in, they're like commercial, you guys do not know what you're doing. And so when, when we say, well, it can't really be done. They're like, no, 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 we're, we're doing it. We're using these tools like X, Y, and Z. And it's like, well, yeah, you have a team of seven people for the similar exact type of uh, or exact budget, you know, $250 million turnaround or $250 million mega project for commercial. There's different expectations. And so should we put together a, a you know, a, a team of seven people just to manage schedule? Well, that, that's a perfect, I, I love that analogy, oil and gas. I worked in Western Australia and the Cobra for oil and gas and iron ore for around two and a half years and they treat p6 like the bible they go with it and they, everyone understands it everyone knows it every no one has to be kind of sold on it and i can see commercial construction i don't think obviously the margins aren't big enough at the minute to invest a full scheduling team or a full cost management team but i can definitely see the investment in scheduling and pre-construction and estimating and having a project estimator on site doing the RFPs or whatever it may be, or keeping in control of the, the costs. I can see that happening. It's definitely happening in the bigger companies and the, and the bigger projects, because obviously yeah. there's enough margin there to be able to absorb it. But I can definitely see the shift 
Um, and getting oil and gas people over there, surely that will only expedite it. Yeah, and they've, they've uh, have, having these experts that have actually used the tool how it's intended has extremely helped because, you know, and, and here's, the, here's the problem, kind of like what you brought up. The larger companies that have these mega projects, these, these bigger projects and have the budgets to spend on that type of stuff, um, yeah, that it's working for them. Yeah. But that's not the majority, not okay. even close to the majority of how much work is out there. Like, and so when, when you go down to, well, what's really happening at these lower level companies, it's like what you're saying. It's it, the budget just isn't there for, you know, a certain size job. And so it's like, what do you do for these projects that don't have a, a good tool and so we've, we've been playing around with a lot of like the last planner type stuff or tack planning and things like that to try to alleviate, well, how, how, how do we still accomplish what you're able to accomplish? Because P6 does really good at data management mm -hmm. and it's a database, right? Yeah. And so when you take that, you know, 30,000 foot view, which you can do with P6 and even a whole enterprise of projects, which we, we do that. Now, uh, thanks to these oil and gas folks that have come on to Oakland, and uh, you can take that 30,000 foot view, that master plan type view, but then you can also dive down into the weeds yeah. with it and get down to that production level scheduling management. Um, and that's what we're, what we're trying to do uh, with, with tackling these other things. Let's get an overall, an overall system, and then let's put something in the in the in the project team and the fort and the fort and the trade partner foreman let's put a tool in their hands that they can do that production type scheduling work and that's that that's the last planner system or tax planning and i, I want to go that this is a perfect now transition from how you guys use p6 and tact and you guys won't use it together it's not a case of tact has replaced p6 but you used it together how does that work on a 40 50 million dollar project how does it go from start to finish? I mean, how, how do they speak to each other? Who uses it? The project manager, the operations, the pre-con, the estimating. How does that all go, go together? So um, the first thing we do is tact. Okay. The reason why that is you, can, you actually model and you can see flow and sequence way better in tact than you can in P6. And that's the, to me, that's one of the main differences for between tact and CPM okay. is CPM is based on the calculation forward and back. Like every, everyone knows CPM and how it basically works. Um, but tact, it approaches it from what is the, what is that beat and that rhythm and that flow of the project? And then you can see the cascade effect. And what they do is they put each area becomes its own little one piece flow or linear schedule of this happens then that happens and that happens and then you you know have your basic crew flow or crew tie or whatever um people call it in other places that's what we call it <laughs> and and you can just see it all on one page or here here's how this project flows and so we start there we've even been awarded um many projects and owners come back and say the reason why we're giving this to you is the tech plan. Like we, we, like after you spent 30, 40 seconds teaching us like how to read this, this rainbow chart, <laughs> yeah. 
we can see we can see your plan yeah it's not just this talk us through your p6 thing that you've given us yeah. and they don't really right there, there's but, a disconnect between owners actually understanding p6 and uh understanding p6 <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's, too, it's too high level basically it's too it's too complex it's too high level it's like yeah. that it's like like that lecture i had in college where he was just so smart he could not communicate at our level and it was just everything just went over everyone's head um, yeah so so tact you're saying is much more layman's terms people can understand it better but also functionally it's really really good for pre-construction estimating and then the operations team yeah because it models that flow you know flow is what we're looking at looking for right and we want to get you know things just working properly and and not slow you know not getting into that whiplash that's how you you model it you can model it really well and actually a lot faster intact yeah. when i when i was uh building proposals in p6 and spitting them out to the team you know it would take me you know depending on the size of project anywhere from eight hours to a couple days worth of work just to put together a plan and get it all into p6 make sure it was all tied correctly spit it out and get it to the team versus like you're i don't ever take and i'm not taking into account reading the plans and all that stuff just once i'm done like how long does that take and uh, now, like a few hours, and that's it. Like, Brilliant. I don't think I don't think any tack plan should take me over three to four hours yeah. ever. And, and so it, it's more efficient to actually build the schedule, and you you can see it. And so we start there because it'll help owners start to see and visualize those things and start that communication. It's just way better yeah. there. Then back to your question before is. How do, you, how do you marry these two together? Well, TACT is what we call our master plan, right? This is the overall schedule. This is what we want to achieve. This is the flow. Now, once we've gone through all the what-ifs during the, during the design phase, which we stick with TACT usually as long as we can until the owner tells us in a contract, you know, we need P6. Yeah. And then we say, okay. Now we're going to build P6 based off what the TAC plan says. And really, we just model exactly what TAC is saying in P6. This is, you know, this block represents three days or four days or five days. It's this activity. We legitimately make that activity in, in P6 with that duration, link it to the things that it's saying either by the area or the crew tie. Um, and there you go. So really, it, it feeds the decision-making um uh, into tact and then we just model what tact is saying in p6 if it's required by the contract now we do have some projects that we're kind of stepping away from p6 a little we yeah. still have a p6 file we just have a higher level of it like a level two we would call and um it it's to help feed our company metric system because p6 does a really good job of being a database right yeah so if we if we have that high level um master schedule in p6 that mirrors what the tac plan says and we can update it monthly or less frequently uh we we can still roll that data up at the company level and say okay across all of our projects here's where we're at Right. and give that view to to our to our ownership to the oakland leadership team so they can see okay 
here's what all the all our projects are doing these ones are ahead of schedule these ones are behind so on and so forth um whereas with tact it you can still do the same thing on a project where you have a master plan and if you have a master plan that's that high level like we were talking about before having last planner system or another system for a production planning the low level in the detail weeds type thing that aligns with the tack plan the tack plan setting those milestones and how do we start tracking you know that day-to-day -day production and align it with the tact that's what we've been doing a lot of these other projects we have a we have a 80 million dollar uh high-end hospital that we're building and they have a tack plan up on the wall of the trailer and they do the last planner system pulling milestones off that tack plan and they coordinate with the trades okay this you know how, how are we going to do that today who's going to be in what area talking about that day-to-day -day production up on the board and it all aligns with what's happening on the tack plan but now they still have p6 because it's contracted but this was kind of one of our tests where we pulled p6 back mm -hmm. and the team the trade partners and even the owner we're not even really sharing that anymore. We kind of just slowly stopped sending it and we just have these two tools. Now we're still modeling everything that's happening in P6, but we don't share it with anyone. It's just kind of over here in the corner. We kind of yeah. put it in timeout, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's crazy. Like we're doing better yeah. because of it. So we're, we're seeing that people being able to see the flow and see the master plan with attack plan they can envision it and they can see it a lot better. Then when we have the last planner system, we're going down to the, the weeds, just like they do in oil and gas with that huge team yeah. and having a, a, a huge project controls mechanism. We put the controls back into the, into the, into the team on site, the foreman and, and the superintendent where they're coming together and they're using the last planner system as that production uh, level scheduling and planning tool. And they're 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 just they're just going because they they're bought in because they help to create the plan. Yeah, and it's super agile and and lean because they can they can deal with the punches if they know okay here's our overall target milestone from the tack plan. Yeah, they then can track to it and and off you go, Bob's your uncle. So so let let's let's take this eighty million dollar hospital project. Um, what's the the method? Is it uh, APD CM at risk? It's. It's not. It's not an IPD. It's. It's more. It's. A, it's a C. I don't think there might have been some design assist elements. Cool. Um. At, so, at, towards the beginning. So at the very beginning, I'm taking this from an estimator pre-construction point of view. Do you build a tag plan and then help out the pre-construction and estimating team for bidding the project? Is that how early you get involved? And how how, how does that dynamic work? Yes. Um. And it, it's it's hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Um usually they're they're there first yeah because that that's just always kind of been the case yeah um we've we've put into play some processes in pre-construction that we all work towards constructability reviews to look at okay do we have enough enough money set aside for this stuff do we have a good you know logistics plan of how we're gonna manage you know materials when it comes on site man material hoist and things like that i know we have it accounted for but where are we going to put it spatially let's let's make a map of how it all this all is going to work and also the schedule is how we're doing this is that is that realistic is there enough time for this 
how is the overlaps between systems and phases and work and yada yada so we we all are working towards that even mm -hmm. the estimators and everyone in pre-con so we work hand in hand um and I, I'm getting phone calls from estimators. Hey, you know, we, we need it. We need a tax plan. So we know, you know, and, and obviously when you put bids out and solicit for work, um, one of the main things is putting a schedule out there. So the, the trade partners know what we're, what we're up against, you know, yeah. we're not, we're not expecting, you know, double shifts and things like that. But if we are, that's where they would understand and see that, right? Yeah. What that effect would be and, and so on and so forth. Because I'm thinking, so, I'm, put, I'm putting myself in the estimator position. I'm thinking if I've got a, a schedule, a tag plan that, that can that, that ultimately can save me money and give me a complete roadmap of where, where what's going to happen, that would, that would enable me to do my job better and possibly become more competitive. But not only that, when I'm speaking to subcontractors and trying to solicit bids, Surely, if you if I've got a, a attack plan at hand, they're gonna they're gonna be more comfortable coming and working on my eighty million dollar hospital project than the competitor's hundred million dollar office building down the street because they know exactly what's happening, when it's happening, and how it's gonna pan out. Yes, but you do you do get some naysayers that it's like there's this new thing. Give me P six, right? Uh, it's like, well, and it's funny too because most like a, a very high majority of everybody really doesn't know how to read the thing or you know what I mean or or what it really means right so they, they look at it and they're like where am I they're really just looking through this list of you know yeah. 5,000 activities <laughs> looking yeah. for where's an activity that's mine boom there's the first one so they're expecting me to be on site that time okay um and what are my durations uh 10 days there 10 day oh yeah that's not enough okay yeah we need to pad this a little more that's legitimately what they're doing yeah. but they don't really see and understand what every how everyone else has correlated what we've really built in the logic because as you print a p6 file or or a schedule you don't see the logic no like it doesn't print that no, and we're all visual. We're, we're all visual yes. people, whether you like it or not. And anybody that tells you differently is probably a, a genius or too high level to, to explain why he's not visual because we're all visual. If we don't have a plan or a map, or as you say, a pack plan, then it's very difficult to understand not only your own schedule and your own logistics, but everyone else and how everyone else ties into it. I agree. And it at, at first, I'm, and I'm really bought into tax, so that's why I keep going there. But really, I think you're right. However, we can visualize the process, we should do that. Yeah. P6 and CPM has a really hard time, and the tool is really not meant to be visual. Yeah. That's not where they've spent their money. It's yeah. all in the data, which it's like if we want to understand at a corporate level, like how we're doing financially. We don't print like the registry of every single transaction and then stare at this mountain of paperwork and try to understand what, what we should do for the future. That's not what we do. We put it into spreadsheets, we put it into Excel, and then we try to find commonalities. We try to find trends. We, find, we try to you know make part charts and bar charts and graphs and things that we can try to understand what the data is telling us. Yeah. So, we, we see a lot of CPM folks that are trying to do the same thing. Well, let's, let's do trend lines. Well, my problem with 
CP, CPM trend lines is it depends on how you're managing a project because you might just be managing it wrong and all you're seeing is is your poor management. You're just seeing a trend of your poor management <laughs> of the actual like tool and not it, not even like modeling what's ha like really happening on the construction site because if it's not really what the trade partners are actually planning and can do, which to get to that level, there's so many questions and so much collaboration that has to happen that you'd have to go to that, you know, seven person team, like we were talking about before. So uh, it's, it's, it's not really good enough to take CPM and just dump it into, into Excel. Now there are some add-ons that take an overall plan from P6 and graphically map it out. Um, and you can do it like how uh, linear schedules are, are done in, in civil. So there's, there's these, these linear schedules that legitimately one of the axes, instead of being location, it's, it's elevation. Yeah. And so um, if, if you need to dig down, legitimately the bar goes down. Yeah. But this way is time. So you're going elevation over time. And so that they have to do so much, you know, thousands of miles of road, they would use these linear schedules to show, okay, this is, this is, this is where all the, the bellies are for, for drainage and all that stuff. Yeah. And so you can see that it's spatially this way, but then it's by time and they need to go, you know, across the whole desert or, you know, wherever this road is going to be or whatever. And you can just see, it's like a map of, of, of the road over time as a schedule. And it's, it's, it's an interesting way. Once you start looking at those, it's like, Oh, wow, that's, that's, that's weird. As you see those things, you're usually thinking in the bar chart or Gantt chart type thing where it's like, yeah. it's, it's activity over time, not space over time. And that's actually what tack plan does. It's a location based, scheduling process where you have a location over time not an activity over time so it kind of it changes the paradigm because it helps you start to visualize space and time which that's the battle i believe you're 100 percent spot on i forget what study it was but it was 65 percent of the population are visual learners and visual communicators and uh another five to ten percent something like that are kinesthetic hands-on type people yeah. And so legitimately, if, if you have a, a, a plan that you can see, touch, and, you know, feel and, and visualize, you're going to hit the majority of the population up in, up in the 80%. But the other percentage are those, you know, they learn from lectures, they hear from listening, you know, they can, they can visualize it in their mind. They don't have to visualize it outward um, as they're hearing things that just make sense to them. Yeah, that's really what data folks are like. And yeah. that that's, and that's not the majority, though. So we're, we have these tools that are that are tailored to the minority of people or, you know, the, you know, a, a small number of people can actually think that way and process information that way, where the majority of people need something visual. So CPM alone, it, we, you can't just do that, you have to go above and beyond and even any of these other the oil and gas industry, they're, they're pulling that information out and trying to visualize it in a way. And it, it just takes a lot of time and management and so on and so forth. So yeah, any way you can visualize the plan that will help all stakeholders understand the process that needs to be followed and identify, hey, there's an issue here. We need to fix that. That doesn't work. Like you yeah. see this and this, 
that we can't do that. Yeah. But it's, it's hard to see that in just a mountain of, you know, line items, just like a, a cost spreadsheet of just every single transaction for the company. That's not helpful. How do you compile it in a way where you can see what the money is actually doing? Yeah. It's the same thing. How do you see what the time is actually doing um, on different facets and things? And Spencer, that is the key to pre-construction technology. Whoever makes that piece of technology or that piece of kit is going to, it's going to, they're going to kill it, especially within commercial construction. If you think about the stakeholders, and we talk all the time on this podcast about the three-legged stool, you've got the client, the architect, and the contractor. There has to be a piece of tool, a visually. I know three or four are trying to kind of crack that, 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 that problem. But once that's cracked and you get you give the owner distribution or sorry, uh, administrative rights, you give the architect administrative rights, the data is shared. And who owns the data is, the, is probably the biggest, the biggest problem, the biggest conundrum that we've got to sort out. But once that's cracked and everyone can see, they can touch and they can click on and, and listen to or, or visually see what, what stage of the project is at time-wise, cost-wise and, and schedule-wise then I think that's, that's got to be the, 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 the holy grail for, for us all, especially pre-construction. I agree. And the, 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 po- the positive um, collaboration I see coming from IPD-type projects, I think solves the issues of our past. Yeah. And what I mean by that is when you said, uh, who, you know, who owns the data, that's going to be a, a, a key, a key, a key thing there. <laughs> and really the reason for that is the type of, of delivery, um, system that we've been using in commercial construction actually pits us all against each other. Yes. It, it starts the blame game early. Yeah. It starts the blame game right out of the gates based on how we handshake and say, this is what we're going to go do. We're not contracted to be teammates. We're contracted to hold each other accountable and point the finger if we need to point the finger. So we point the finger and we say, well, this is the problem. The design is the problem. The contract or the designer says, I don't really, I'm not really getting any help from the contract, but the contractor's (laughs) not, but they're not communicating to me. And the owner's saying, you guys both suck. It becomes becomes a schoolyard spat. That's what it becomes. And it always becomes. And then what happens then is when you get blamed, you start reneging into yourself or or, or going inward and keeping all the information that you should be sharing outwards. I think the contractor has to own the data. I think the design build, design bid build, IPD, I think this is where it's going. And, and it's becoming more popular again. And they've got to own the data. They've got to work with the architect and then give the owner the data that they need. I'm not, I'm not, sh- I'm not sure that that's right. I don't think it, I don't think anyone owns it. Right. I think okay. it's, ju- I think, I think it's true. I think it, it, it transcends the team. And if, if the owner, the architect and the contractor, the three-legged stool, like, like you referred it to, uh, if that team was really a team, yeah, the data is just the facts of what's happening. Okay. And ev- it, everyone brings different data or facts to the table because yeah. what's happening at the design team level, they're producing value up front of understanding what the expectation is, what we need to build, and giving a roadmap so that we can achieve it. What is the contractor bring- bringing? A roadmap of how that's achievable. They're bringing value on understanding how to build what the what the architect is saying. 
the owner is laying out these are the expectations. If that is working properly, the transparency can, can you know, the transparency between all team members yeah. uh, can go through the roof, right? We can trust each, trust each other at that point. Without trust, then it's like, well, no, no, no. I, I'm going to be the one that, that owns everything, right? It's, it's yeah. all me. If we're equal partners, we all own it and we should all have a say. Yes. But you know what I, I mean? I, I do absolutely know what you mean. And in an ideal world, I would love that. And I think that's, if you, that's the way it has to go. But then it becomes historical data. So everyone's allowed the data and then it's how you use the, the historical data going forward. So then it becomes, yeah, I could see that work. But really, historical data is then the age. Uh, I mean, the mead historical data within pre-construction scheduling, planning, it doesn't matter. That gives each company the age. There's companies that are doing it right and investing in it now, and they are going to be so far ahead of everyone else. It's incredible. Um, and, and they're doing it I, I, proprietary. It's all in-house. Um, so it, owning the data is the big question. I don't know whether that perfect world in the three-legged stool of everybody sharing the data and nobody owning it. I, I, I wish, I, I hope it does that. I'm not too sure, Spencer. I, I, I agree that it's, it's not there and that would be the ideal state. And I agree that there's, that owning that data, it, that dictates who is leading the charge a hundred percent. I agree with that, you know, for sure. Good. So yeah. I, I, I think if, if we can get to that state of We've brought we've we've broken down the silos that that's what we have right now is we have these little silos of you know who's right and who's wrong and and like you said the the the, the schoolyard spat <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and, and uh, if we can break that down that's that's going to improve our delivery of projects in pre construction and being able to manage and see what we need to achieve up front so that when we when it comes time to build. Yeah. Um, everything's answered and it will go smooth from there. Yeah. And I think it's a cultural, it's a cultural DNA thing within construction. It's old school. Yes. It's keep all the information and we're like, people are not collaborative enough yet. And even, even within, I tell you what, people are very good at collaborating in BIM and VDC. These guys are on LinkedIn. They're on social media. They're talking about everyday issues. They're giving information to all their contracts. They're not worried about, oh, I'm not giving him that information. He's a competitor of mine. He'll get the age. The age is the people. It's not the information. If the only way that we can build bigger, better, and safer buildings is through sharing and collaborating. And that's all through construction totally operations. Agree. But we, and, and we're getting that way. We are getting that way, especially pre-construction and estimating. So I totally agree with you. My, my, my reason for wanting to do that uh, as far as my role and what, what I'm uh, what I'm help, helping the construction industry do with, with my little corner of the world, right? <laughs> uh, I, I just see my, my same experience at the crane company happening to workers out on the job site because of lack of planning, because of these poor tools, because of these siloed you know, conversations and pre-con, because of all these issues, um, families are, are being hurt. We have the, the highest rate of, of suicide out of any industry in construction. We have one of the highest alcohol, alcoholism problems. We have one of the highest mortality rates. We have one of the highest injury rate. Like, 
and it is dangerous what we do, but legitimately we, we have to change our approach if we want to change our outcome. Yeah. So, um, uh, the, the, the collaborating, the being willing to share, I, I, I'm so, I'm so invested in that, that legitimately the side companies that, uh, that we've started elevate construction and lean tact and some of these other companies we're we're almost doing it as, Hey, we want to give you these tools for absolutely free because P6, if you think about it, it's an expensive tool. Yeah. And there's a lot of companies out there that are trying to your point are trying to crack the scheduling or data um, question. Yeah. And I mean, you're talking like P6 is almost becoming the, the least expensive out of all of them. Like you're looking at some of these, some of these software systems and it's like, this is like exponentially more expensive and more expensive and more expensive. And people are trying to crack the code and, and earn money along the way. Honestly, like with tax planning, I can do the same thing that you can do with P6. Like we're, we've done it. Um, we have it on every project now at Oakland and legitimately we like, we're more successful when we just use tact. So it's like, I'd rather share that. Yeah. We're, we're, we're blasting it out on social media and sharing it on YouTube and doing a lot of things so people can see like how we're doing it yeah. and maybe take that and take it a step further or whatever. It's like, we're not wanting like money from it. Here's our Excel template. Go have fun. Like, yeah. uh, it's, open it's, source. it's, it's the like right thing for families in the industry. It's the yeah. right thing for workers. And yeah. if, if we really do respect our trade partners and even our, the architects and owners and, you know, even architects, if we're going <laughs> to respect them, <laughs> no, but we, we would use tools that would help, help everyone understand and, and track to the plan. And so we're, we're sharing that stuff for free. And that's why we believe a lot of the different things in some of the tact community, there's, there's this uh, software called Tacting, T-A-K-T right. dot And they're at the forefront. Their tool is the best tool besides doing it in, in Excel. Mm -hmm. And legitimately, their tool is for free. Wow. You can just get on their website, sign up, and they'll, they'll give you a license absolutely for free. They'll never charge you for it. Mm -hmm. Now, they have stuff above and beyond if you want to connect to Power BI, if you want to, you know, do yeah, a lot yeah. of the bells and whistles, but you like, we legitimately are managing projects with their free software as well. And I just think it's, it's, it's more important than money and trying to trying to gain a profit. Like yeah. we really just need to change, change the industry because we have so many issues and we've, we've been lagging behind other industries and, and sectors in, in way too many important areas, yeah. like worrying about work-life balance and, yeah. uh, having that open communication that we, it's just time to break down the silos, be done with it and just start yeah. improving. And, and listen, technology is going to be a huge part of that, that work-life yes. balance. We, the, 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 the capacity deficit that we have right now, the, the hospitals, we have to build the schools, the roads, it's going to be impossible to do it with the current workforce and the lack of technology. We need the, the, the technology to accelerate us getting to that capacity and then good people yes. then will be the differentiator between each GC and that's a way Amen. it should be building relationships. Spencer, we could talk all day about this, but I have to say thank you for what you're doing as well. Keep the talking, keep talking about it, sharing, learning. Um, I love your stuff um, and I'm looking forward to, to following you over the next two or three years. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure and uh, on we go.
Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed that chat with Spencer Easton. No doubt about it, he loves scheduling within construction. And listen, Spencer's a super, super open guy. He's really transparent, loves teaching, whether it's scheduling, whether it's tech, or anything to do with construction. If you want to reach out to him, I will put his contact details and also a link to his LinkedIn. He's super active on LinkedIn as well. If you have any questions, need any help with anything, please feel free to reach out to him. Thanks for listening and I'll be in touch soon.